Proverbs 16, verse 31 today, our last one in our little Proverbs series. I'm looking forward to Acts very much. Uh, and we've talked about that almost since I came, kind of looking, keep bringing it up, and, and now I'm, we're going to finally do it, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Excited to get back into a little bit more of a regular uh, paragraph, or paragraph exposition of a book. Because I feel safe there, because uh, I can't go anywhere but where the text goes, and that, that's where I need to be. Um, so this morning, Proverbs 16, verse 31, and then we'll pray and then I'll read the word. Father, we are so privileged to be able to call you our Father. We do honor you, highly esteem you as unworthy but as grateful sons and daughters and help us as we pray as, as I uh, help us I pray that as we uh, learn from your word to honor our earthly father and mother and not just our own parents but those you have placed over us as authorities I pray that you would help us to do that we thank you that in your wisdom we don't walk this path of life alone but there are many who walk to our right and to our left, and ones who have been walking much longer than we have, and seen much more than we have. Father, give us the humility to see them, to turn to them, and to ask, and that we may listen to them, so that we might run our own race with greater wisdom, and a wisdom that one day, perhaps a runner who is fresher and faster than us may ask us for wisdom. May this be more and more a daily reality uh, by your grace and spirit to the glory of Christ and for our greater joy in the family of his fellowship. Amen. Uh, please stand for the reading of God's word. We will again read a relevant New Testament text and then our uh, proverb for the morning. New Testament text is 1 Corinthians 13, 11 and 12. The Apostle Paul, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And our proverb, Proverbs 16:31, Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Amen. God's words. After high school, I went to woodworking school, and uh, I got to sit under some really good woodworkers, some really good teachers, and do some really neat things, build guitars, do some fine work, inlay, and, and really fun things. And then I went out into the world and started working construction and realized none of that mattered. And I was cocky and thought I knew everything about woodworking and realized it's actually experience in the, in the field that matters. Uh, similarly, you go to seminary as a, as a young man and, and you get all this great training and you think you know it all, and you get to the pastor and you realize you know nothing. It is 
There, there is no substitute for experience. I think reading the map, this is a, a, something that's been running through my head lately. Re- reading the map, figuring out where you need to go is the easy part. And sometimes we do that and think we've accomplished what we meant to accomplish. But it's actually the, the walking that's the hard part, the journey that's the hard part. So the aged, those who are older, have made it farther down that path than those of us who are less aged, and age is relative. My own grandmother's 99, so I think she has you all beat. But age is something that this text, this proverb, highly esteems. Gray hairs on people's heads are earned. They are fine threads of silver fashioned into a crown of glory. And I think there's some irony here. Uh, Solomon lived in a culture that I think generally esteemed the elderly more than ours does. Uh, yet he, he even recognizes that our own natural propensity is to uh, disregard the elderly, especially as younger people. And all through the Proverbs, he's calling over and over again, listen to your father and mother, listen, my son, listen to words of wisdom. And he warns consistently of, of disregarding those words of wisdom, that that is folly, that is foolishness. And so if there were no danger, we would need, not need to be warned. So I believe this proverb kind of sits in, the, in, in contrast to our own pride, that the call of the proverb is not so much uh, try your best to get old because it's awesome when you're old. <laughs> it is, I think, a call to all people, but especially to the young, to esteem, to highly esteem age and experience, and to look up to it and to respect it. We need to treasure age, value age as something that is honorable and also accessible, something we can access as a resource for our own journey through life. Uh, So I want to take a moment to look more carefully at what the proverb is saying. And then I want to offer a few calls, a call to the young, a call to the old, and a call to the church, and then conclude by taking, uh, it's kind of a step back and just looking at the bigger picture. Um, So, read the proverb again. Gray hair (coughs) is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. So I think the proverb at its very least is saying, if you have a lot of gray hair, You've lived wisely enough not to die. <laughs> it's funny, but it's biblical. It's true. Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads to death. The wicked dies for lack of discipline. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. And it's, it's interesting, particularly in this historical context where uh, adultery or even disobedience to parents could theoretically get you stoned. That adds a different flavor to the proverb, doesn't it? So ten, fool, fools tend to die prematurely. So if you've made it as far as you have, congratulations. And the Bible, especially Proverbs, tells us that long life is a blessing to the righteous. God's face shines on the righteous. 
And I think it's fascinating. I didn't even realize Brian was going to do Fifth Commandment today, but it fits so well. Um, the Fifth Commandment, a commandment about honoring fathers and mothers, but also more broadly, authorities, superiors. Uh, the, 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 the promise that's amended to that commandment is long life. It's like, honor those who have long life, and you get long life. It's cyclical almost, in, a, in an ideal world. And that hit me this morning as I was editing. That this honor of, of those who are in front of you, and then may, maybe you'll get there. Of course, it's immediately obvious, still worth pointing out, that the proverbial nature of these truths. Obviously, some, some people gray early. Some people gray in their 20s. Uh, some elderly people never gray, or, or they go bald. Some youthful people are wise beyond their years before they get gray hairs. And some elderly people have led wicked lives and should definitely not be listened to. I like to joke because I have been getting gray hairs the last couple years, but I only have like ten. So I say I have, <laughs> I have ten wisdoms. <laughs> But of course, gray hair in and of itself is neither a sign nor a source of wisdom. I mean, my younger brother and sister have a lot more gray hair than me, so. (laughs) Studying Proverbs is actually kind of like studying physics. Uh, Physics makes intuitive sense if you're in the vacuum of space. At least, that's the only way it makes sense to me. But I like the way uh, commentator Trimper Longman uh, puts this. He says, age does not determine wisdom, but all things being equal, an older person will be, be more likely to be wise than a younger person. All things being equal. So uh, pro- proverbs are proverbial truths. They're generally true, but they're not a hard and fast rule. Uh, Job sums up this proverb well. <coughs> Job 12.12 12. Wisdom is with the aged, and understanding in length of days. The aged have been around the block. That they've made it further down the path. They've seen it all a thousand times. They've learned and forgotten more than the young have begun to learn. And in learning, they've come to see just how much they don't know. And yet, they know far more than they will give themselves credit for. So let me move on here to a call to the young. (coughs) Uh, Tim Keller points out, well, he says that we live in a culture that idolizes the beauty, energy, and creativity of youth. That is definitely the case. We don't honor elders well in our society. The other day I was sitting in the recliner with Levi and all of a sudden I start getting a Facebook Messenger video chat coming across my phone. But strangely, it didn't say who it was. So I answered and when I answered, on the other end was my grandma. 99-year-old grandma on her iPad. (laughs) I was impressed with her willingness to try new things. She just got it and the nurse was helping her try to figure out how to work it. She seemed frustrated she didn't quite know how to work everything. And I said... Grandma, technology has progressed more in your lifetime probably than just about any other lifetime. Like, give yourself a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's always been the case that younger disregard the wisdom of the elderly. 
You set it aside as a relic from another age. And that's especially true in a society that with such rapid progression. Gray heads become sure signs to us that their contributions are past their expiration date. They're probably best avoided, like, like sour milk. They might be good for a baked good, but that's about it. But this verse instead paints gray hair in a different light. It is a crown of glory. I hope you think of that that way. If you're older, your age is a crown of glory. Age is to be esteemed. It is to be honored, revered, and treasured. So as young people, we should be trying to stock up on that as much as, as we can on those treasures, trying to gather around more people in our circles of counselors that, that are wearing those silver crowns. And when those times come, which will be frequent, that we think that, that what we think is in conflict with what they think, contrary to the be true to yourself, follow your heart mantras, maybe act on what they think rather than what you think. It may take time for those actions to prove themselves out, but they normally will. Um, it's like, you know, when you're 16, you think your parents are, are terrible fools, and when you're 19 and you need help, they're pretty wise. It will prove itself out, and our minds will be changed, and we'll be more and more convinced of the wisdom of the elderly. And I think part of our problem as younger people is that we mistake knowledge for maturity. Mistake knowledge for maturity. I mean, it's true. I wouldn't approach my grandma, definitely not my mother, for technological advice. There's a lot of things as a younger person that I that my my knowledge surpasses the elderly in, but that does not make me wiser. Paul Tripp points out, and he's talking about seminary students and young ministers, but I think we can kind of make the application more broad. But he says it must be said that. Maturity is not merely something you do with your mind. No, maturity is about how you live your life. It is possible to be theologically astute and yet very immature. It is possible to be biblically literate and in need of significant spiritual growth. That's true. Knowledge and maturity are not the same thing. It's possible to know a lot about God and not know God at all. It is possible to know a lot about a lot of subjects and be very immature. Again, reading the map, knowing the truths, where we need to go is different from from going there, taking the, the long, plodding, painful journey of going there. So the elderly may or may not know how to operate an iPad, but they do know what it means to walk with God. To, to trust His promises through death, through sickness, Marriage highs and lows, faithful and wayward children, church growth, church splits, success, failure. They've learned that they have weaknesses. They've learned that they are not God, that that sleep is for mortals and they should probably partake. They've learned that they need other people to compensate for their weaknesses. They've learned what it is to plod and to be in the trenches to take the long view and to both rest and take up arms. 
And they will be the first to tell you they've learned none of those things. And they're only just beginning to learn them. But those are the kind of lessons, life lessons, (coughs) that are uh, evergreen. Those are the things that last. They continue from generation to generation. iPads will fade. Death of loved ones will not. That will be reality for everyone. So, the charge to younger people, what, what are we valuing in our life? My suspicion is, that as I look into my own heart, the degree to which I value those evergreen truths of God and, and His promises will also match the degree to which we value those silver crowns of glory. So I call us to highly esteem, to value, to honor those who are in the best position to teach us the ways of Christ, the, the elderly. Uh, which leads me to my charge to the old, or to the elderly. Is, old a, is, that, a, is that a diss? I don't think so. I think, I think it's glory, glorious. Actually, I'll say one more thing to the young as a lead into to our call to the old. If we, as younger people, devote our life to learning while we are young, to listen, to glean, to grow mature, of how much more usefulness will we be when we become old? We'll have the opportunity to to reinvest those lessons, which transitions into this call to the elderly. If we're supposed to listen, that implies you're supposed to teach us. Which means putting in the effort to be the one whose maturity is congruent with your age. Having the willingness to to extend the hand and offer wisdom and and grow us in maturity. And it means, and I think this is the tough one, this is the sticking point, setting aside the false humility of thinking you're not good enough to do that. And being willing to offer what you do have, which is more than you think. Scripture calls you to that. Psalm 71, 17 and 18. The psalmist, O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. In Titus 2, 3 through 4, older women likewise are to be reverent, behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so to train the young women to love their husbands and their children. (coughs) So I plead with you as older people, more mature people, to reach out to take these calls with the utmost seriousness. You know, again, not just to read the map and say, yep, that's what we need to do, but to begin to take steps. And honestly, I'm speaking to the choir here because I know all of you and you do that well. But to take a younger person under your wing, and, and yes, your own children and grandchildren definitely count. But how, how will that impact that life when an older person takes a younger person under their wing? And younger people, again, I plead with you to seek that out. To find older 
men and women and, and to respect and to listen to them. And we have an idealism, I think, in our minds about these things that if well, and call it whatever you like, mentorship, discipline, discipleship, um, but if I can't, if I can't mentor perfectly, well, I shouldn't do it at all. If I don't have it all figured out yet, I'm not qualified. Whereas young people, if that older person doesn't meet our astronomical expectations of being entertaining or clear or even accurate, then it's not a valuable exchange. I have a, a personal story about this. You'll have to pardon my personal story, but it does have a point. Uh, back when I worked at Ace Hardware, there's a delivery driver named Les, an old truck driver. He was slow, not the best worker. Uh, complained a lot, but it was kind of generally abrasive. 90% of the stuff he told me, I already knew. And, and I think as young people, especially young men, and especially me, I hate being told stuff I already know. That, that really pricks my pride. I remember, though, I was driving with Les to deliver lumber to a job site, and I made a conscious choice. As I thought, I can either get irritated, ignore this old guy, or I can put up with his abrasiveness and telling me things I already know and begin to ask him questions, begin to probe that extra 10%. The guy had been driving a truck doing this trade for, for his whole life. I knew if I probed and dug, I would get some nuggets, even if it was a challenge. And I did, and I learned a lot from Les. And as a result, we actually were able to develop a, a friendship. Um, and he appreciated the respect that I gave him. I didn't disregard him. He was skeptical of me when I came on, and then I earned his trust. And I, and I grew to like Les. And, and by the way, Les was patient with me, too. Uh, I was unloading windows from a truck with a forklift driving down the, the, the lumber bay with it, and he was walking beside me, and he said, slow down. And I didn't think I needed to slow down. I thought I was going slow enough, and then I hit a bump, and window tipped off the front, broke. Of course, he didn't say much besides just kind of a grin to say, say I told you so. And then I learned, once again, listen to the wisdom of the elderly. So again, I tell that story because I think there's a lesson that's valuable there that neither the, the youthful student nor the older teacher has to be perfect for the exchange to be of great value, to exchange nuggets of wisdom. And I suspect that that I'm not good enough mentality is probably one of the number one barriers. So, I mean, I'll just tell you, no, you're not good enough. But Christ is good enough. And, and I want to know, what do you know of him that you can tell me? Can you tell me of one of the times that he fulfilled a promise for you? And I know by the crown on your head that you have many of those times. And likewise, those of us who are younger ought not to demand that we will only learn from an older person if they have novel ideas to share, if they are interesting or funny. A good mentor will actually share old and timeless truths. Many of them we will have heard before, but just because we've heard them doesn't mean we know how to live them. It may be boring or awkward or uncomfortable, but, but a nugget of wisdom taken to heart is worth, worth so much more than a mountain 
of novelty that is consumed and then passed the next day. Another famous proverb uh, along these same lines uh, is Proverbs 20, 29. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. So youth does have its advantages to contribute to society. Stronger backs, more energy, youthful zeal and passion that gets things done. We need that. So one more comment for the elderly is, is help the younger to temper our zeal and strength with wisdom. But beware of holding them back for fear. Fear of change, fear of loss of control, whatever. Fear is a misplaced motive and it's often used to kind of poke a stick in the, in the, in the spokes of a, of a young person. I've used that tempering illustration before, but it's helpful is that when steel is heated to red hot and then quenched fast, it gets very, very hard. It's hard is what you want, like in a knife, because then you can have a nice sharp edge that's, that's resilient. But if it's too hard, It'll crack, it'll break under stress, and so you need to temper it. You put it in an oven for 400 degrees for a couple hours, and it dials back the hardness but retains the toughness. That's what tempering is. So uh, zeal, youthful zeal, needs to be tempered with wisdom, where the edge and function is still maintained, but it won't shatter under stress. So the charge to the elderly is twofold uh, first, God has placed that crown on your head for a reason. Um, trust that he's given you a long life for a purpose. And that is that you may tell of the riches of his grace and his promises to those who are younger. And secondly, uh, beware of stamping out useful zeal out of fear, but instead temper zeal with wisdom. Now, one final charge, a charge to the church. Um, we were talking yesterday in session meeting about younger people, especially young men, that young men need to stand up and step up in the church. We are one the ones who need to take ownership of the future of the church and leadership. We need to start seeking first the kingdom, loving what Christ loves, that is his father and his bride, and the question is, who and how will we raise up these young men? I mean, it's kind of a vicious cycle. If young people never take initiative and they're never raised up, they never become mature old people to raise up young people. <laughs> so how do we get out of the cycle? And, and by the way, I'm not saying... <laughs> Uh, again, I'm very encouraged by our church. There's so many among us, older men, older women, who are, are fervent in zeal for the Lord. And I'm so encouraged in our small church where we're at in this. But that the way to get out of the cycle <clears throat> is first to pray fervently for true revival in the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, we can't force maturity. We need the Holy Spirit to, to give us a thirst for maturity, for fresh longings to see the local church thrive. And then after praying, we need to take initiative. And again, it's easy to read the map and, and say we need to go here, but difficult to do it. 
<clears throat> My dad used to wake us up as teenagers loudly. It was the worst. But it stuck with us. He, he'd come in shouting, wake up, wake up. There are many mountains out there to climb. Take it one step at a time, walking with God. And before you know it, you have climbed many mountains. And of course, we all jumped out of bed ready to take on the world, right? You know, covered our heads with pillows and told him to go away. <laughs> but it stuck with us. I called my sister to make sure I had the wording right. She, she knew it exactly. But I think that is true. The key to faithfulness in any pursuit is taking one step at a time, plodding toward the summit of whatever you're trying to achieve over the long haul. The willingness to to plod, to take one step forward today, two back tomorrow, and one forward the next three days, all the while walking with God and trusting Him. I bring this up in this sermon, in this context, because... Intergenerational exchange is so important in the church and in this endeavor to to have a healthy church, to raise up young men, to see the, the future of the church be well secured. The young people who we need those who wear the silver crowns of glory. We, we need you so that we can be wise, so that we can learn to pace ourselves, to keep the proper heading, to not get tunnel vision. And to become ourselves one day older, wiser guides for those who come after us. But God has given you your years for a purpose. And also, I just want us to take to heart that though we must sow and must labor and water in these endeavors, that of course it is always God that gives the growth. only God that gives the growth. None of us can make ourselves mature as much as we want to. None of us can make somebody else grow. We can pray. We can, we can pray fervently like, like Epaphras. He prayed fervently for the maturity of his Colossian flock. Or we can, like Paul for the Colossians, teach and warn and in order that we may present those we disciple mature before Christ. We can do all those things. That's planting, that's sowing, that's watering. But we can't cause the growth. So we can take comfort that as long as we're plowing the soil we've been given to plow, planting in the soil we've been given to plant in, and watering what we've been given to water, it's not up to us to see the growth. Only God can do that. And we are promised He is doing that. We're told in the word of the gospel that that's preached to all people, old and young, that he will complete what he started in us. So I want to conclude with the word from 1 Corinthians 13. Once again, verses 11 and 12. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. One day the distinctions between old and young, farther down the trail and not, (laughs) these distinctions will be irrelevant. All of our bodies will be restored to, to youthful zeal and strength. Our minds will be cleared from, from the clutter and the darkness and, and just lack of wisdom. We will be complete, lacking nothing. 
So the hope of all of us is the gospel, and that one day these distinctions will be irrelevant, will be made complete. And for now, we can help each other muddle through the journey of this life. And when we get there, we will sit at the very feet of the Ancient of Days and learn from him. So in the meantime, I call each one of us to highly esteem those who are a little further down the road than we are. Amen.